Scott, appreciate it. All right, guys, you can sit down. Thank you so much for uh, giving us a chance to be here. My team, three of our team is here, and uh, we're just grateful to get to know some of you all. And uh, we have a residency program that we're talking about, one- or two-year program, so stop by the table and uh, get a chance to, um, to talk to the crew and see if there might be some fit for some of you uh, that uh, would be interested. Who, who would like to go to Colorado, huh? Yeah, it'll, it'll be... It'll be 60 tomorrow in Colorado, just so you know. We don't need a tunnel. We don't need a, 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 a skyway. Um, but uh, glad to be here. Grateful, uh, President Hagen, for the opportunity. How many of you guys have a car? Anybody have a car? When's the last time you checked the oil? You're like, right now, you're like, snap. I better go check the oil. What, what happens if you don't check the oil in your car? What happens? Man, you don't pay attention long enough, the things are going to break down, right? That's what's going to happen. The engine will seize up. Something will happen um, if you don't take good care of your car. Oil changes and brake pads and fluid checks and, and, and uh, transmission flushes. And some of you are like, oh, I got to go do all that stuff before I head home, right? Um, here's, what I've, here's what I've learned. Uh, I think you and I can be a whole lot like a car engine. We can be like a car, and if we're not careful, see, we take for granted the fact that uh, everything seems to be working well. And uh, if we're not paying close enough attention, what's going to happen is something breaks down or there's some extra stress and things begin to have impact. If we don't maintain our vehicles, we're going to be walking, right? And the same thing is true with our lives in many respects. If we don't take care of ourselves, we're going to get stuck as well. We're creatures that are designed for rich and deep communion with God. And I think it was just amazing what President Hagen just said, because listen, you guys are about ready to go on, on summer break. Some of you are going back home and you need to be on guard because this community is different than with the community you have when you go home. Would you agree? Man, it's easy to serve Jesus here, right? Because everybody's doing it. But when you get home, it's a little bit different. I want to talk about that. Uh, this, is, this is a big deal. And here's part of the problem. When we think about our souls, oftentimes guys that do my job talk to you about heaven and they talk to you about hell, right? We get that. And that's true. And we need to talk about that. Heaven and hell matters. And this is true. Um, we think about soul and it's like, are you headed the right way or are you headed the wrong way? But it's also so much more than that. Soul is not just about eternity. That's what matters, Right. But it's not just about eternity. Soul is also about today. So I want to talk about that today because we don't talk about it enough. Uh, I've been on a journey with our team to, to think about and to dream about and to be intentional about what it means to take good care of our souls. And that's what we know we're supposed to do. Dallas Willard put it this way, your soul is your life beyond but not independent of your body. It's the center of who you are. The soul is the most basic level of life in the individual and one that is by nature rooted in God. This is important, and, and so many times we think it's limited to just the spiritual, but there are all kinds of things that can have impact on your soul. Would you agree? Man, there are little things that become big things quickly and have impact on your soul. Spiritual, of course, your relationship, your connection to Jesus. But if your relationships are jacked up, what's that going to do to your soul? See, all of a sudden, we got to pay attention to these things that can have impact, mental and physical health. Like if your body is breaking down and you get the word you got cancer, that's going to have significant impact on your life, and it's going to impact your soul. Same with our mental health. There's this vocational calling, a sense of purpose, which you guys are working through right now as students trying to figure out what God has for you. Finances, another thing. If your finances are in disarray, 
right? You know, you know that that can have impact on you too. So caring for your soul is not an easy challenge, and it's not a one-and-done deal. It's not, hey, I said the prayer. I stepped across the line of faith. I accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. It's so much more than that. This is an ongoing thing in terms of care for our soul, and you guys know this. And on top of that, here's what we know the scriptures tell us. There is a very real battle. There is a battle being waged for your soul. And if you know the enemy of your soul wants to take you down and take you out, steal, kill, and destroy, then you better be on guard to protect your soul. That's not a one-and-done thing. That's a daily thing. And this is no joke. The, 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 the battle rages. So I want to see if I can't help you understand this just a little bit more. This is something that was shared with us uh, in our team when uh, a couple of years ago by a lady named Mindy Calguire, who lives in Boulder, Colorado. But I'm going to need your help here real quick. <clears throat> If you have a good friend that's with you here today and you don't know how to answer this question, then just ask them. If you're married, ask your spouse. If, uh, if, uh, if, if your good friend is here, they can give you some feedback on this too. But here's what I need you to help me with. I want you to shout a few things out. What happens in your life? What are the results of your soul being disconnected from the Lord? What are the kind of the, how does that manifest in your life? What does it look like? Somebody tell me. What happens? What, do you, what does your life look like when, when you're not connected to Jesus the way you should be? What was that? Selfish, okay? What else? Apathy. What else? Can't Can't sleep. I'm going to do that because it's easier to spell. Okay, what else? What? Complacent. What? Empty. Fatigue. Probably because you can't sleep, right? <clears throat> All right, what else? Conceited. I'm going to just put pride easier to spell. What else? Anxious. Anybody get anger? Yeah, what else? What would your mom say? This is what you look like when you're not close to Jesus. What would mom say right now? Unforgiving. That's good. That's good. I mean, it's not good, right? But here's what I want you to remember. Who came up with this list? You did. Okay. Here we go over here. When your soul is dialed in with Jesus, what does it look like? What comes out of you when you're dialed in right? Tell me. Loving. You see, it's a Bible college. Rest. What else? Confidence. (laughs) Thanks, Steve. Couple more.
Okay, we're good. I can write all day what happens. Do you see what happens, though? Look, look at the list. Look at the list. This is when we did this with our team. Someone in the back went, <gasps> it's the fruit of the Spirit. That really shouldn't surprise us, should it? That when you're dialed in, <clears throat> we see this, the fruit of the Spirit coming out of us. Now, please remember, you gave me this list. This is so important. Every time I've done this, this is with other churches and, and uh, ministry, nonprofit ministries and even businesses, Christian-owned businesses, the lists almost always look the same. They almost always look the same. Disconnected souls impact us significantly. I'm going to tell you about Doug. Here's what happens. I can kind of put on my happy face and play a little of this game when I'm with my people, but when I go home, that's probably where this is going to come out the first, right? Unfortunately... If my wife was here, she would tell you, yeah, Doug, that's true. Like, you're, you're, my kids, when I did this with my kids, I actually have our list hanging in front of my garage to remind me to have a connected soul. My kids are like, Dad, you get kind of loud. You get loud when you're not connected to Jesus, right? So <clears throat> um, we're different people, would you agree, when our souls are not connected? Now, here's part of the reason why you're here is because I'm assuming because you, you love Jesus and you want to live like this, not like that, Right? But what makes the difference? What makes the difference is a connected soul. A connected soul. This doesn't just vicariously happen, does it? Because you can love Jesus, have stepped across the line of faith, and slide into this way of living pretty quick, can't you? Remember, you, you, I know you can because you just told me. This is your list, not mine. Right? That's why we have to make sure that we're passionate about our soul care. Seems like exactly what the proverb writer told us, Right? In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, says this, guard your heart above all else. That's for somebody heading home, and you know it's going to be tough when you get home. For it determines, listen carefully, the course of your life. Guard it. Why? Because if you don't, you end up here. Guard it. I love what the message paraphrase Bible says. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Of course it does. Because this is how it looks when we do this right. These are your lists, not mine. Remember this. So God says, keep your, keep your heart pure. Watch over your heart. Um, guard your heart. Why? Why do we do that? There's the list. So I've been reading a ton of uh, some of the old school writings. Uh, one that I've written was, or, uh, read from uh, this author named John Flavel, pastor back in the day in a book called Keeping the Heart. Old school soul care stuff. He said this. The greatest difficulty in conversion is to win the heart to God. The greatest difficulty after conversion is to keep the heart with God. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Oh, man, this is a busy season, right? Finals are coming. You guys just said you got papers to write. You've got a, a busy weekend's coming. Let me tell you something. Look right here. Look right here. You better guard and care for your soul, period. Here's what scares me most. This is what happened when Mindy was doing this with our team. I was looking at this list, and literally, I'm a super emotional person. I was in the back of our staff meeting, and she did this. Our team came up with basically the same list you do. I started to weep. And she's like, Doug, what, why are you crying? I was like, I just wait a minute. I was like, here's why I do what I do. And here's why you live for Jesus and do what it, you're doing, whatever it is your career path will end up being. There's a whole bunch of people, guys, that know no other way of living they don't know there's even an option to have this be a reality in their life. All they do is see these things and then they get in a marriage or a relationship or whatever it is and they have anger and they go to a counselor, which I think is important. You go to a counselor and deal with your anger. This is a symptom of a bigger problem, is it not? 
So this is why we have to be so passionate about guarding our heart above all else. Guard and care for our souls. This is so important. So for those of us that have struggled with soul care, please remember, it takes, it takes a lifetime to mess this thing up, but you can make a decision right day, now, right here today, to start doing it different. If you want this life, it's going to be a daily grind. You're going to have to stay connected to Jesus the way that he calls us to. Our independent nature uh, tells us that we can come up with these, uh, you know, we can change. Uh, we can have a comforted soul. We can equip ourselves and prepare ourselves in some kind of way differently. But I know, I know this school. I know what you're being taught. I know what you're studying. The gospel is supposed to be transformative. We agree? What does that mean? It means you change. It should be producing a change in your life. This is the old you. This is what Jesus wants to be part your, to be your, your life to reflect. And so we know that it can be different. And here's what's so interesting to me. When we read about Jesus, somebody say Jesus. Hey, raise your hand if you think you're better than Jesus, by the way. Nobody's raising their hand on that one, right? Right here. Listen to some of the things that Jesus did. This is powerful. He pursued connection with God in prayer through solitude, silence, stillness, and service. Goes back to what Steve was just talking about. If Jesus had to do this, Raise your hand if you think you need to do this. Well, there's a couple of hands. It's finals week. Mark 1.35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. When's the last time you did? Luke 5.16, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Do you realize there's over 40 passages in the Gospels that record how often Jesus slipped away to pray? That Jesus was understanding that this was the bedrock of what was going to produce the results of what his father had called him to do. He had to stay connected to the heart of the father, just like you and I do. In John 6, 57, Jesus himself says, I live by the power of the living father who sent me. If Jesus said it, if Jesus had to do it, friends, you and I need to do it. I must guard and care for my soul. A matter of fact, then later, Jesus is teaching in Matthew 16, 26. Listen to this powerfully. This is what he said. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your... Man, he's saying, listen, and wait a minute, who was he talking to there? His disciples? They were already in. But Jesus was saying, guys, listen, man, it's easy to lose your soul. So you better stay focused. If you want your life to look different, stay dialed in, or this will be what it looks like. And none of us, do you want to be married to or hang out with this person? No, 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 we don't. And it isn't anyone else's job to care for your souls, but whose? Yours. And it's your responsibility to take this very, very carefully. We don't normally think about our soul until it's not working, right? You know, the band can come back up. A little over 25 years ago, I was a young youth pastor going through a really rough patch in my life, and I can tell you, I had gotten to this place in my life where, uh, where I, I, the best way to describe it is that I was desperate. I would even go so far as to say I was, I was depressed, and that's not my style. I like to be up, you know, Enneagram 7, never a bad day, right? Uh, it was a bad day. It was a, a stretch of bad days. And uh, I got to be honest with you, I was ready to quit. I wanted out. Um, I didn't see a way out, and uh, there was a, a conference for a bunch of youth pastors. So 400 youth pastors got into a room, and these guys were speaking, and then the keynote guy, he got up there, and he started sharing his message, and 
he got to the end of his message and he told a story that connected with me. I, I used to play basketball before I had to get my knees replaced, right? And I love sports. As a matter of fact, it's a great time of the year if you're a basketball fan, right? Like, there's nothing like March Madness. And he began to tell a story, which some of you might have heard before, and he had me hooked uh, from the get-go. Um, remember, I was desperate for God to meet me there. I just needed something. And he started telling this story about the longest winning streak in men's NCAA basketball. All the way back to the early 70s, actually, um, they, they had, UCLA had an 88-game winning streak, likely never to be broken. And in total, during that time, UCLA won seven NCAA championships in a row. Think about that. Juggernaut. The problem was on, or the, the, this team was on fire, and you did not want to be the ones responsible for going to play UCLA. Anybody heard of Digger Phelps? He used to be on ESPN, was a coach for a long time at Notre Dame. <clears throat> and their squad was getting ready to head out to California to, uh, to play UCLA. And his guys were pretty depressed. Uh, they kind of knew what the end was going to be before the end was going to be. And this guy's telling this story, and I'm dialed in because I, like, I love basketball. I love competition, and I love the underdog getting a chance. As a matter of fact, that streak that I just talked about started at Notre Dame. So Digger Feltz uh, gets his guys into the gym before they're ready to head out, and he whistles. And the janitor comes out from the back corner. And he sets up a ladder underneath the basketball hoop. And he says this. He's like, hey, guys, what do we do when we win a big game? And uh, they were like, I don't know, coach. He's like, no, no, what do we do? What do we do when we win a big game? And one of the guys is like, I, I know what we would do. We would cut the net down. You guys have seen this, right? So he's like, good. He says to that guy, he throws him a pair of scissors. Carefully. He's a basketball player. He's got good hands. And he says, go climb the ladder and cut down a piece of that net. And I was like, oh, my gosh. This is genius leadership. Because so many times before we win, we have to know we can win, right? And so his players, one by one, climb the ladder, and they cut down a piece of this net. And they take the net the next day when they get to UCLA and they're tucking it in their socks. Some of them are tucking it in their jocks, right? And these guys are carrying this because he said, guys, we want to think like winners. we got to think different. I don't care how many games these guys have won. You've got a chance. And so all the guys cut the net down. <clears throat> so he tells this story, and sure enough, wouldn't you know it, Notre Dame goes out to UCLA and ends the streak. Let's hear it for Notre Dame, right? That's big. That's big. Okay. <clears throat> So this is what happens at the end of this guy's talk. He tells this, and I'm like, oh, that's so great. What a great story. And he says, guys, I have 12 interns with me. I was like, dang, 12 interns. That's awesome. And he said, we've been praying, and they all come in these back doors with basketball nets. And he says, we've been praying because we know there's some people here today that need to think differently. And I'm like, Thank you, Jesus. This is awesome. A cool basketball story. And I know one of these interns is going to give me a net. Have you ever acted like a junior hire, like wanting to be noticed in a room? I'm like sitting up a little taller, trying to, you know, make sure that some intern sees me. And the band comes back, and they're playing a song, and the interns come through, and walk in the room, and they look at somebody, and they're like, and they throw them a net. And I'm like, bro, I got great hands. Just hit me that net. The song continues, and guys, wouldn't you know it? 
I didn't get a net. And now I'm mad at God, right? Seriously, I'm mad at God. He can handle that. He created that emotion. He's mad sometimes too, right? And I was like, either a few things are happening here. Either God's not real and he doesn't speak to people, which seemed like an option in that moment, okay? Or these interns don't know anything, right? And they're just still learning how to hear from God and they don't hear him yet. And I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm like, God, really? Oh, I just, th- I didn't, just throw me a net. I need to throw me a bone. I just need to be encouraged today. I was so down. My soul wasn't in a good place. And now I'm angry. Uh, I don't like the illustration anymore. And I don't like interns, right? I'm like, you guys clearly have a lot to learn yet, right? Somebody could have known and heard from God that I needed a net. Simple. Would have been simple. And so he gets, the, the band gets done, and I'm bawling like a little kid, and I'm, my heart is empty, and my soul is dry. And that guy comes back out, and he's holding the net, and he finishes up his illustration. There's like 400 people in the room. And he finishes it, and I'm like looking at him like, you guys stink, man. I don't like this thing, and I just needed a net, you know. And he's holding the net. And uh, he gets done with his talk, and he's like, hey, There's one net left. He's like, uh, how do you get this net? And I stood up and I yelled. I was like, you asked for it. And he threw me the net. And I got a net. And the reason I want to tell you that story today is this is not going to happen for you. Unless deep inside of your soul you want it. Nobody's going to do it for you. And what will happen is your life is going to look like this disconnected soul. And I don't care what it is that God's calling you to do in your life. It will not work the way he plans for it to work unless you want it. So, busy time of the year. Finishing up your semester. Lots of things to do. Some of you also trying to figure out what you're going to do this summer to make some money. Some of you scared about going home because you know what you're going home to. Some of you are concerned because this, this environment that you've been in has been healthy for you. And you've been fostering a healthy soul, right? And it feels different right now. But you know what's going to happen. As soon as you get home, it's easy, right, to slide back into the old habits. It's easy to slide back into the old way of thinking, Some of your other friends that haven't been living the way you've been living are coming home too, and you know what you're going to be facing. Listen to me. Students, listen to me. You have got to want it. Think different. Start today. And I believe with all of my heart, God is speaking to somebody in this moment. And you know that you have some decisions to make. If you don't do this, the stakes are high. There are people you know that need to understand that there is a different way of living. That it is possible to have a heart that's connected that looks so different. And they're going to want to see it in you. They might even know that you're here at this school that has a foundation of Christian principles. It's trying to help you to live for Jesus as men and women that are serving him. It's time. It's time to want it. Will you guys stand to your feet? I'm going to hand this back to President Hagen and, uh, I brought a couple extra nets and some scissors. And if you'd like to clip off a little bit of a net to take home with you, 
to tuck it in your sock, hopefully not your jock. <laughs> I'd love for you to do that so you can be reminded this summer as you head out to want it, to do what you can to stay and maintain with that connected soul the way Jesus wants. Father, thank you for these students. Thank you for what you're doing in their hearts and their lives. And I pray you would just create in us a want like we haven't had in a while. That we would understand the responsibility is ours to keep our heart connected to you and that it will look different when we do. Be honored in our pursuit of you, Father, we pray in your name. Amen.